and welcome back to another episode of Club C47. I am one of your loyal hosts, Sally Dar Griffin, and... I'm Andrew. <laughs> just Andrew. <laughs> trying to like be like a Madonna, where it's just one name. I know. I was, I, 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 I'm trying to think of like words to describe myself, and then like nothing came to mind. Or I, I feel like loyal is a good way. I think that's like your opening now, is like, you are a loyal host, Sally Dar. I don't know why that became a thing. I think just because like loyal host is just like a popular phrase, right? Loyal host. Maybe I make that up. Whatever. It's a yeah, thing I now. I say it every week, it seems. But yeah, welcome back to another episode of Club C47. This episode will be dedicated to talking about Pride Month and movies that center around LGBTQ IA topics. We're just going to talk about some movies that we picked out and some TV and, and some TV shows too. We'll 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 throw in that as well. So that's what this episode's about. Happy Pride Month, everyone! Yes, Happy Pride. I'm very excited to uh, talk in this episode a little bit about like what we've watched and like our experiences with being exposed to queer cinema or filmmakers who have those like voices and like how they are being portrayed in the media and all that. So I think it'd be really cool for us to start about like our own experiences with like exposure because i don't know about you sally dar but like when we talked about doing this episode and i was thinking about like films that like i was exposed to that had same-sex couples or characters that questioned their sexuality i really couldn't think of many that like came to mind as me as a kid i guess i just didn't watch a lot of them And so I don't want to, like, make any excuses as to why I didn't watch them. But I do find it interesting for me that it wasn't really until Glee is when I when I was introduced to Kurt Hummel and Blaine Anderson, where I really was knew, like, what it was like to have a character on a show that was attracted to um, someone of the same sex. I was thinking about that. Yeah, that's so true. Honestly, it's funny that you bring up Glee because I've listened to a lot of stuff like in recent months where people bring up Glee as, you know, Glee can be ridiculous at times, you know, it's kind of over the top, but it was like a TV show that actually broke a lot of new ground, like a lot of characters that you weren't used to seeing, um, whether they identify as gay, whether they are disabled, just like a lot of stuff that you didn't typically see on TV. And I think we have to credit Glee for like introducing some of those things in just popular culture, right? We can't forget about Santana and Brittany, that like the, yeah. the lesbian couple on the show. And then I think even later on in Glee, and don't get me wrong, like Glee kind of sucked after the first three seasons. Like I, I only really liked the first three seasons of Glee and then after that it didn't matter. But I know... It definitely talked about, like, being bullied because you were um, a member of that community and, like, what someone that was like and the struggles they went through. I do think there was a whole uh, episode on someone who transitioned in Glee on on one of the later seasons. So it definitely hit up a lot of those heavy topics. And Ryan Murphy is known for, like, having um, a voice in the LGBTQ plus community. And so that I give him credit for that. But... Not that Glee is a good show anyways, but I definitely think it was an eye-opening show as to, like, a diverse um, collection of characters, you could say. Yeah. I mean, I was definitely a Gleek. I agree it got worse as it went on, especially as they went to college. But I was a Gleek. I mean, I even watched the show where they had people auditioning, trying to get on the show. Um, yeah, yeah. Love Glee for, you know, pushing pushing the... What am I trying to say? Pushing the envelope on a lot of things. We can credit them. Um, yeah, but now looking back, it's very cringe. Yeah, yeah. 
but a lot of the song you know what this is crazy sorry i'm like going off on a tangent but so when glee was around it was back when people still bought their music on itunes now everybody just uses spotify but i remember there was like the top 10 list and anytime glee had a new episode the song multiple songs however many songs in the episode they were always at number one because people always bought the glee version of the songs isn't that crazy to think about? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think I bought a few songs. Oh, I did too, for sure. From iTunes. Yeah, so Glee was definitely one of my first exposures, like you were saying. I think the movie that comes to mind for me, like my very first exposure to like an LGBTQ storyline is Brookback Mountain, which I had actually, I've actually never seen Brookback Mountain, but I remember when it came out and everybody was, I don't know what the right word the right adjective would be but I feel like in my town everybody was just kind of like I guess taken aback maybe by the like this movie that was kind of a blockbuster like in theaters just because it had never really been done before and like I said I still haven't seen it Nora our mutual friend she really likes this movie she thinks it's like just LGBTQ or not she thinks it's a great movie like just a great story um and I need to see it, which is on me. So I should watch that for Pride Month. But I just remember in my town, that was the first movie I'd ever heard about. And everybody was just like taken aback by the fact that it was out there for the world to see, which I guess just says something about like now when you see a movie about LGBTQ, like it's not as shocking, I guess. Yeah, that movie came out in like early 2000s, I believe. And I, I, I saw that one a year ago or two. And it, it definitely is... I think one of the things in, like, a film that centers around these stories is, like, how do you express your love? And I Brokeback Mountain shows, like, how characters express their love. And I, one of them is even married in the start of it. And so it's interesting to see, like, how people are taking it back. It has a really, really good cast, actually. Um, Jake Gyllenhaal, Heath Ledger, Michelle Williams, Anne Hathaway. And so it's a very variety that's like nowadays I don't know if like that would be the cast the right cast for that film I think you want it to be a little more authentic and uh, Jake Gyllenhaal and Heath Ledger I don't know if they would fit that role if it was like remade but I really like I I, I wouldn't say I, I liked Brokeback Mountain but I, I I appreciate what it did in terms of the director and how he developed these characters over a, a period of time it wasn't just like a slice of life there was a period of time element to it also but yeah, those are my first two exposures, TV and film, uh, from yeah, what I can remember. Another another one that I like remember really well is Perks of Being a Wallflower, and yeah. it, and like I think it was a very it was a subplot, but Ezra Miller's character um, was already out as gay throughout the whole film, and there's just a few same sex kissing scenes that like I didn't really know going into the movie that I was expecting because I didn't read the book. But that was also one of my early exposures to it. But also, it's, it's a very subtle, like, plotline. It's not like a film. Perks of Being Wallflower isn't a film that I would necessarily say is, like, a film I would recommend for anyone who wants to learn more about LGBTQ. It was just one that, like, exposed me to a character that um, people could easily relate to. Actually, I overlooked a movie that I watched as a kid that was my first exposure. Um, to, we're gonna. This is gonna transition to what we wanted to talk about: the, the movies and the TV shows that we picked out to, like yeah. that we would recommend or that we enjoyed watching. So, one of my favorite movies of all time, actually on my letterbox, I considered making this one of my top four films, is Rent. And I know it's a musical, and I have actually never had the privilege of seeing the musical in person, but the movie 
is so good, okay? It is the best. And I watched this movie, I think it came out in like 2006 or 2005. I was still in elementary school. I saw this movie in theaters with my mom and my sister. If you don't know what Rent's about, it's about these people living in New York City during the AIDS epidemic. It's just like what's going on with their life and like their rent's going up and how they cope. And it, I just, I had no, I was so young. I did not know what AIDS was. I did not understand Angel is um, physically a male, but dresses as a woman and is in love with another character that is a man. And I just like, I was so young that I was exposed to all of these things and I really didn't know what was going on. Angel, spoiler alert, has AIDS and eventually passes. And I, I literally did not know what was going on during this movie, but I loved the music around it. Like I loved all of the songs. <laughs> and so I think my mom on one hand, like looking back now, my mom will talk about it. Like, Oh, that's so crazy that I took you to go see that movie when you were so young, because you did not know what was going on. But on the other hand, it's like, yeah, I didn't know what was going on, but I was still exposed to it. And even though like the songs, that's what made me like the movie, not necessarily the story. Cause I didn't understand it, but I, it's good that I was exposed to these storylines regardless of if I understood them or not. Um, so yeah, that's one of my favorite movies of all time. Great story, great music. It's funny watching it as I get older because I understand it more now than I did then, but the songs still hold like the same joy that they did as a child. <laughs> I haven't seen Rent and it's it's been on my watch list for a while because I feel like the music would be entertaining and all that but you bring up a really good point when you're talking about rent is you didn't know a lot of like what was going on as a kid and so my question for you and a quick little discussion is do you think kids are now getting like more exposed how young are they when they start getting exposed and should they be taught young because i think they definitely should be taught young about like same-sex romance and it's okay to like accept yourself if this is who you want to be and like we've seen a lot i've seen a lot of more queer lgbtq plus movies recently that have uh, could be geared towards a younger audience and have them realize like what it is to be a member of this community and how they should be accepted and so i am really curious if like kids are picking that up faster than we have as quote-unquote millennials or like borderline gen z yeah i mean i think now there are so many more i guess coming of age movies um that teenagers like that are on netflix that teenagers can watch and we did not have those growing up in high school we did not have coming of age with lgbtq storylines and what you were saying about exposure the longer you go without exposing your children to like lgbtq storylines or um people that are transitioning or just anything in the world the longer it it's going to be harder to normalize it in their minds so I think it's really important to expose them early like I thank my mother for taking me to see Rent even though I didn't understand it once I finally understood it I was like oh I'm so glad that I saw that as a kid because like me seeing Angel um, dress as a woman and be in love with a man like that was normal more normal to me than like another girl in my class that maybe didn't see the movie so if I saw someone like Angel in public it's like oh well I've seen someone like that before on the screen so like you know this isn't a new thing to me so I mean I think the earlier you can expose your kids to things like that the better you know yeah I I I I agree the sooner even with Black Lives Matter going on you expose your kid let them know like educate them on what's going on and I think that's so important and I think 
part I again I don't blame anyone in my life but part of me wishes that like I had more to even look at as a kid now with Netflix you can watch uh, the half of it just came out recently and that has to do with uh, a teenage girl trying to discover herself and her love interest and all that and then love victor is a recent one that came out this week which is a spinoff to love simon and that kind of i don't want to get too much on a rant on this but part of me was disappointed in disney because disney plus was supposed to release it on their streaming service but moved it to hulu because they didn't know if it was like kid friendly or not and part of me is like why not put it on disney plus where kids can learn about accepting themselves if they do end up coming out as gay or bi or whatever they want to identify themselves as part of me is like disney why did you have to move it to hulu you have already many things that aren't family friendly on disney plus like why can't you have a story such as love victor yeah it's it's frustrating because i think a big thing with movies and tv is that you are looking for someone that you identify with on screen. And so we kind of talked about this a little bit last week with like Black Lives Matter. You know, it's easy for me to find a character on screen that I identify with, just like a straight white woman. That's what I am. Like there's a lot of those. But if you are black, like it's harder to find like a a cast with a ton of black people. Like it just, it's more difficult. Or if you are asexual or if you are bi, like, there aren't many movies where like the main character identifies as those those things. And so imagine being a kid where you are grappling with your sexuality or you are trying to just understand yourself and you can't find someone that is navigating those things in a story and then like hope like there's a happy ending. And so it's, you know, like there's so many stories about like a me, like a just a, a girl in high school like struggling or something and then like oh happy ending like she gets to go to the prom with like the dream boy whatever but like imagine that you you don't have someone that you can identify with on screen like that's hard because movies make you feel like you're not alone that there's someone that's gone through something similar to you and i don't know it, it's just frustrating because there could be a kid that could that movie could help him you know yeah that's why i hate i, I don't want to say hate but I, I there's things i don't like about love simon is because i don't think it's necessarily authentic because spoiler alert simon comes out and his friends kind of ditch him for a period of time and i think that's just ridiculous because i for someone who's watching that they don't want to feel like coming out means they're gonna lose all their friends even though like people grow up with different viewpoints like i didn't feel like that should have been shown for if like a kid watched that i would feel bad because like for them it feels like they lose a lot and so I can see the the frustration is like someone who is struggling to accept their identity to like find stories, which is why that like queer filmmakers should be able to express themselves and they should continue being a voice in this film industry. And I'm really excited to see like more films that come out with those voices in the future and television shows. I know I say film a lot, but like when I say film, I mean film and TV, obviously. Yeah, it's on our it's on our little cover art. Film and TV podcast. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, yeah. I haven't seen Love Simon, but I should watch. I need to like dedicate like my. It's Pride Month. I need to like watch all of these movies that I say I'm going to watch. And uh, but I did see the half of it. And while I didn't like enjoy the movie entire, like I just you know it was it was good that it made made like it had it was a coming of age lgbtq story love it we need those um but the story itself i was just like "Ah, i'm just not into this movie um but that's fine because the more we get these movies that like show this point of view like we will get ones that we um 
just enjoy more i didn't i didn't the half of it i was just like okay i'm whatever <laughs> it's just yeah. a funny movie okay yeah you're not supposed to like every movie you see and that doesn't mean you have to like every movie that has like a same-sex romance but it's just nice for people who come from that side of the spectrum to like see those movies or yeah. tv shows as well speaking of tv shows spongebob was announced to be gay so congratulations spongebob yes. <laughs> we are know, so happy for you i saw it on twitter first then i saw it on instagram and they had like three photos of three different characters it was like spongebob someone else and i don't i can't even someone remember that looked like Danny DeVito, yeah, yeah 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 it was some guy i don't know and then the third one was it a character from avatar or did i make Maybe. that up I- I don't know. But so then everybody was freaking out, being like, oh my god, like, Spongebob is gay? Like, what? I can't even believe it. And it's like, first of all, like, chill. Like, I didn't know that either. I guess I just never really thought about a cartoon character's sexual orientation. But then the, there were so many funny comments where people were like, you guys are acting surprised. Like, Spongebob was obsessed with Squidward. Like, he was always holding Patrick's hand and, like, watching, like, movies with him. Like, you know, like, he he surrounded himself with, like, male friends. Like, he probably had a crush on one of them. Like, why are you guys shocked? There was a lot of funny comments. Let SpongeBob live the best life. That's, yeah. that's, all, you, that's all you can say. Congratulations, SpongeBob. You have so much yeah, love and support. And this podcast stands spongebob i actually never watched spongebob as a kid but i still really yeah yeah and and that's like the funny thing is we talk about like parents sheltering their children and like what's going on i was never really able to watch the cartoon network i'm okay that i didn't watch the cartoon network i i like look at those shows nowadays and i'm like i wouldn't like them anyways but i do think it's like interesting that like maybe parents should start to open up a little bit more and like what they show their kids because it will gain them a better perspective on the world it doesn't mean like fry their brains out by having them sit by the tv every day but just diversify their content don't show them the same thing over and over again show them something new it doesn't have to be disney either actually it was good that you brought up disney because i I, I applaud nickelodeon for the sponge like spongebob and like posting that on their instagram but then they also and we might have talked about this last week but for black lives matter they had like a message on their tv screen up for eight minutes and I forget how many seconds, but the amount of time that George Floyd was experiencing police brutality, they had a message up on screen, which is like, you know, on one hand you think, oh my God, these kids are so young. Like they don't know what's going on. But on the other hand, it's like, no, like expose them early. Like your kids should see a message on their TV screen that is like, hey, yeah, Nickelodeon stands with Black Lives Matter. Like we, you know, like we believe in this movement. And so um, hats off to Nickelodeon. Speaking of cartoons, okay, I'm going to talk. bring up another show that I wanted to talk about. Um, so you just started BoJack Horseman. So I am almost done with season two. And I really, really like the show. And I wish that I took everyone's recommendation sooner. So I, I'm apologizing now. That's okay. So fine. It's one of my favorite shows of all time. I'm sure if you have listened to this podcast before, follow me on anything, you probably know that. I talk about it a lot. But so I bring up BoJack Horseman. Obviously, it's not like a kid's cartoon. It's like a little bit more adult. And I want to bring it up, and this is not a spoiler alert for you, I don't think. So Todd, who's one of the main characters, I forget what season, but he actually comes out as being asexual. And he kind of comes to terms with that. Like, what does that mean to him? He actually ends up inventing, like, a dating app, kind of like Tinder or Hinge, but it's for people that are asexual and just, like, want a friend, like, that they hang out with. So it's, you know, obviously not sexual. It's just, like, a partnership. And so, I mean, I love BoJack Horseman for many reasons, but I love that they 
made a character asexual because like that's something that you never see on tv or in movies you know like we have started to see a lot more a guy in love with a guy or a girl in love with a girl but we don't really see more asexual storylines we don't see like a ton of uh storylines where someone's transitioning yeah i 100 percent agree where there are a lot of like, gay lesbian bisexual but you don't see necessarily like the asexual or omnisexual or trans or arrow or all of those like storylines too and so i'm really now curious to see how todd's character um comes out and how they deal with that so it's a little nice tease i knew i knew he was part of the spectrum but i didn't know that so thank you for enlightening me on that so i'm really excited to see how the show does with that i know i'm so jealous that you're watching everything with fresh eyes i wish i could go back (laughs) yeah i'm 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 excited i've been telling a lot of people and people it's it's a good hype train and i'm excited to be part of this train again apologize for not getting it sooner (laughs) (laughs) yeah so we wanted to talk a little bit about some shows we recommend. We're actually, we've had a really good, thoughtful conversation so far. So we're kind of already in the second half of our show. But uh, if we want to just share a little bit of some movies or TV shows that you would recommend and why or why not, um, people would like them, however you want to do it. Do you want to start? We'll just go. Yes, I will start. Okay, so one I'm going to recommend, which I probably have talked about this before, Portrait of a Lady on Fire. It came out recently, I think 2019. Or was it 2020? I'm not sure. It was 2019. Yeah, 2019. It came in the theaters in 2020, but it was oh, not right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Portrait of a Lady on Fire, really great movie for so many reasons. At the time when I saw it, and probably still now, I really enjoyed it because I was going through a time in my life where it just felt like there was so much noise around me, whether that be just on your phone or your TV or just you feel like, there's constant noise in this world. And I loved this movie because it's so quiet. There's not that much music. I think from what I remember, there's like three songs. Like there's like, there's no music. There's minimal dialogue. It's just very simple, like simple sets, not that many different costumes. Like just the characters tend to wear the same thing. So it's just like very um, quiet and simple, but the storyline is about these two women and them falling in love and I really love it because it's, you can read a lot of articles about it, but it's about like the, the gays and like how they're not really physical until later on in the movie. And so it's, you kind of see these people fall in love when they actually are not making that much contact and they're not really speaking that much, but it's a, it's a great movie. I, I like it the most because of how quiet, how simple, and also the camera work is very simple. Like it just doesn't feel the need to cut all the time. It's, it's a relaxing movie, beautiful story, highly recommend. So that's my first recommendation. Yeah, and we talk we talk about this movie all the time, and like everything yeah. you say, I totally agree. It has like that simplicity, and you're paying attention to more to like their their eyes and how they gaze at one another and their body language. And I agree. If you want something really quiet, but I would recommend like don't have this on while you're like working out or multitasking because you are you want you want to visually enjoy Portrait yeah. of Lady on Fire. Would you like to share a movie next? Yeah, I mean, I can talk about, I have a few options, but one of them that I want to mention that doesn't necessarily, well, that's, that's the hard thing. It's like, we can recommend movies that like tailor more towards like um, someone discovering their sexuality or dealing with sexuality, or we can talk about like stories that like challenge social issues, or maybe it's more of a minor subplot, but yet is very important to the story. And so Billy Elliot is one that comes on, not necessarily because the character 
um, identifies as someone in the LGBTQ plus community, but more of like, this is a movie that like challenges a guy to maybe unmask his masculinity and like do something that others would consider as feminine and how other people react to that. That's one I would recommend. I don't know where you could watch it, but it's, it's very beautiful and fun and it's another coming of age the kid's really young in it and he does a great acting job julie walters is in it yeah i've watched it in care for character development classes so it would be a fun one to study and take a look at if you're interested yeah i love billy elliott such a great movie i yeah like what you're saying he just kind of embraces things that are not labeled as being masculine from what i remember like he dances and his father is just like not into the idea of him dancing but yeah love that movie really great great music great dance moves the little boy that stars in it is very talented Absolutely. so love that idea the next one i will talk about is philadelphia okay i have not seen this movie in several years it was a 1993 movie so it is older it's one of the first movies to kind of discuss hiv aids homosexuality homophobia so even though this was like rent came out after this i didn't watch this until i was a little bit older um i need to go back and rewatch it but from what i remember it's about these lawyers and one of them is has aids and is sick of aids and it's kind of like how in the courtroom there's a lot of bias against people that did have AIDS and like how they you know think like there's a like how they think like they brought it upon themselves because of how they um identify with their sexuality and how like oh well it's your fault that you got that because you were engaging in like these heinous acts of course and so it kind of just talks about like I guess the some of some of the assumptions that came with that came when someone like said that they had AIDS and just kind of homophobia in a court of law I guess um, I need to go back and watch it, but it's a great movie. Made me cry. Um, will definitely make you cry. Yeah. yeah, I definitely need to. I'm not like getting the storyline completely right, but um, it's it's sad. It stars Tom Hanks and Denzel Washington. How am I forgetting him? Denzel Washington. Oh. Yeah. I'm gonna throw. I'm gonna throw out another one. If that's alright, I'm gonna throw out Milk, which is a biographical film of Harvey Milk, and I think. This would be a good one to watch if maybe you want to learn more about, like, someone who's active active in terms of, like, the political spectrum and being... He was the first openly gay man to be elected to public office in California. And it's a, it's a nice biopic that stars Sean Penn, which he won the Oscar for. And it talks about, like, his life and how he succeeded and how he was openly out and where he, like, struggled and where his highs were. And it's based off a lot of true events and there's a lot of documentaries about Harvey Milk and he was a very active person, you could say, in um, all the movements. And so, yeah, that's a good one to check out. It's I don't think it's too, too long. It is a biopic, so it's about two hours according to what I'm looking up at right now. And yeah. Okay, I have another show. This is like taking a little bit of a turn. There is a show on MTV called Are You the One? Okay. And I watched, I forget, like the first or second season, I was obsessed. Okay. So if you do not know about this show, it's basically MTV throws like, let's say 12. Okay. So they would throw six guys, six girls into a house, and they all have a quote unquote perfect match. So before these people have entered this house, they have done all of this research, taken all of these tests, and they have paired all of these people with someone in the house that is the, supposedly the love of their life, their soulmate. 
and all of these people have to figure out who in the house is their soulmate. Of course, a lot of drama ensues. People pick the wrong people. Then they learn that that's not the right person, but they still like them, so they go back to them. Then people get mad because they're like, oh, that's not your perfect match. Like, you need to move on, etc. There's a lot of drama. Okay, so I watched a season with straight people, six six straight people, or 12 straight people, six girls, six guys. They now have a season that is, I think it's titled, like, Come One, Come All. And so I guess it's 12. I, I don't know how many people there are total, but let's say 12 people in the house, and it's guys, girls, they identify as, you know, lesbian, gay, bi, they are maybe transgender, they, they're fluid in every way. I have not watched that. Actually, I think I watched, like, the first episode or two of the season. But it's just, I love that MTV is doing that because there's, they've had so many dating shows in the past, whether it be, like, you know, Flavor of Love, Rock of Love. I'm not sure if those are on MTV, but all of these dating shows have always been straight people, you know? And so this is one. I remember Tila Tequila back in the day. Actually, that might have been like the first dating show that was not just straight. Um, but this one I love because it's just like, come one, come all. Like, yeah, like everybody come into this house. It's nice because like love is more than just like a straight man and a straight woman together. And that's what you see in a lot of shows. No, and don't get me wrong, like, The Bachelor is entertaining to see, like, all these women fight for one man or all these men fight for one woman. But, like, something perhaps, like, are you the one where you see a different selection of group who are sexually fluid, who are being able to converse and, like, fall in love, where it's not your traditional TV setting, I think is a really cool suggestion. Also, just one more. I, I don't know. Should I do a movie or a TV show or do you think? Whichever speaks to you more. Cool. Well, I'll throw out the watermelon woman out for you because it's free on Criterion channel right now. So anyone can check it out. And the watermelon woman is directed by Cheryl Dune. And and what about Cheryl Dune is she this was she's an open lesbian. And this was the first time a black lesbian directed a feature film that had like pretty good success. And what it does is like the character who's the same name as the director is played by the same woman is um, she is trying to, like, make a film about a black actress from the from the 30s. And, like, she, she's known as the Watermelon Woman. And Cheryl, the character's name, is trying to get more info about it. And it's told very unconventionally where it sort of, like, switches, like, how it's filmed every now and then because it, it, it has a lot of video camera shots. And... Um, she she meets someone along the way during the story. It's only like an 80 minute film and there's a little bit of lesbian sex here and there. So you can expect that to go on. But it, it's, it's really fun because it, it does challenge a lot of like how black and queer cinema is, uh, is viewed. And this kind of like considered this film is considered to be like a, a movement for uh, black queer cinema, too. And so that's one to just check out if uh you want to go onto the Criterion channel, which I recommend all the time, and especially now because there's a lot of black voices that you can watch on the Criterion channel for free. Yeah, good. Yeah, the Criterion channel, I definitely need to get on there more. I, it's just a great resource for any peop- anyone that's trying to be more of a film bro, which, you know, I always am trying to be more of a film bro myself. <laughs> well, cool. Thank you. Um, yeah, those are all, like, kind of the movies we wanted to talk about. Let's talk a little bit about like what have what what's been going on this week for you? Like what have you seen in the news? What have you watched that you want to talk about? Yeah, I'll throw I'll throw out a few things real quick. Um, so like I mentioned, Love Victor came out this week, but also the politician season two. 
And the funny thing about the politician season two is like the trailer didn't drop to like five days ago. So everyone kind of forgot that this TV show was like going to even happen. And so season two is currently out on Netflix. I'm only two episodes in. I'm not sure if I like it, but I, not, I wasn't even sure if I like season one. I'm only really watching for Lucy Boynton, who is in Bohemian Rhapsody, if you don't know who she is. And so, yeah, that's interesting in terms of like what else is out. Uh, we were talking a little bit uh, since our last episode. The Academy Awards have officially been delayed to like April 25th, I think it was. And so it means Parasite will go on as the longest winning Best Picture film before someone else takes the crown. So no one's really complaining on that end. But we'll see what happens. It's going to definitely shift how movies are released. And we'll see We'll see what happens with that, with that tea, you know? Yeah. I was listening to The Big Picture, which is a very popular film podcast, and they dedicated their entire episode to the um, award season changing. And they were saying, um, and I'm going to get this wrong, but there's only like two or three times in history that the awards season has been moved like this. And it was like with huge events in history, obviously. One of them, I think, was like JFK being shot, and the other two were just like anomal, like just insane events. Um, so if you didn't already know that the coronavirus and Black Lives Matter, if you didn't already know that these are moments in history, then you best believe they are moments in history because the award seasons do not just move for no good reason. Exactly. Uh, it'll be interesting um, to see. Our party will be shifted a little bit next year. Will we even get an audience? Who knows? Yeah, like, you know? yeah, they might just do it all digitally, depending on if there's a vaccine or not. Yeah, we'll see. Um, in other industry news, the CEO of AMC, I believe his name is Adam. I forget his last name. Um, he came out and said that he will not require masks in the theaters. And everybody was obviously like, okay, well, then I'm not going to the movies. Like, what? Um, then they actually came back and they reversed it. So I think this happened like in the past, like three days, like he said this and then they changed their minds. So I guess I'm I'm still in AMC. I don't know. I don't know. But I guess I, when I saw, I saw it on Twitter and then I was like, okay, well I guess I'm canceling my AMC Stubbs membership, Adam. And then um, they reversed it. So I guess I'm not canceling it. So I'm still an AMC Stubbs member. (laughs) They're canceling it. If I were you, AMC has just been, uh... I know. Well, I might cancel it anyways. Cause like, even if they, you know, are the cleanest and the most strict place ever, like, I still don't think I'm going to the movies anytime soon. Um, so, yeah. The only reason why they keep it is if the Amazon deal actually was to happen, you know, or Amazon Trail. takes over. Trail. It's the only reason why they keep it at this point, but that's yeah. still kind of in development. Another thing I want to talk about. Are you ready? This might be a doozy a little bit. <laughs> yeah, we're kind, of, we're kind of getting close to the end, so this might be our... Our final thoughts here, but oh well, should I no? Should I not talk about this? No, okay, I'll be really fast. Okay, one thing that I watched this week that I really wanted to bring up, and I think it's relevant to everything going on right now, is um, a Jane Fonda documentary. Um, it's called I think Jane and Five Acts or Jane Fonda and Five Acts. It's an HBO documentary. Um, it talks about Jane Fonda and her life. If you did not know, she was a child of a famous actor. She grew up and started acting. She moved to France. She came back to the U.S. And I think I want to talk about it because. She was a traditional celebrity, like came from a celebrity family, was a celebrity herself, like started a lot of movies. And then she made the change to kind of live a life of activism. And so she just, you know, lived a ton of places in the world, just was 
helping people that were less fortunate than her was obviously like a millionaire making a ton of money off these movies but just lived like in communal housing and just like donated all of her time and money to all of these people that needed help and so I guess I wanted to bring it up because it's with everything going on right now with Black Lives Matter and COVID-19 I think it's been interesting on social media to see how different celebrities or influencers respond to things that are going on and how they use their platform and so I just thought it was really enlightening to see how Jane Fonda lived her life especially like before social media and how she just took her role of celebrity and just like basically threw it out the window she was just like awesome that I, I like I love acting I love everything that I've done but like this is what I'm doing now but now she kind of she uses her fame to like do all of these important causes like I think she's been arrested she was like she went pro and protested like five days straight against climate change and got arrested every single day for five days straight and she's like in her 80s like she's it's just I like the idea of like celebrities being activists um but I've been just kind of intrigued by that with social media and everything that people have been posting right now so I highly recommend Jane Fonda if you want a celebrity to stand she is one you can stand because she is just all around talented beautiful good-hearted love her so I wanted to talk about that for a second yeah well I'm glad we got that in because I think you're right celebrities in terms of how they're using their social media platforms is huge these days I think we've seen a lot of people defend like certain like issues that they have seen and like speak up so respect that i like jane fonda is definitely a good advocate for like a lot of things stan jane fonda for clear skin (laughs) well thank you we are sadly like out of time we like ran through this episode quickly we had a lot to talk about yeah we did any last thoughts you uh, I appreciate y'all for listening. I hope we helped y'all learn a little bit about like some content that maybe you could watch if you haven't and um, know why you should stand Jane Fonda. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I hope to meet her one day. Possibly. Maybe. Definitely watch that on HBO. Thank you guys for listening. Happy Pride Month. Yes. Yeah. Happy Pride. You can follow us at Sally Dar on Griffin. I don't even know. What is your thing? <laughs> Sally Dar Griffin or Sally Dar on pretty much everything. And you can find me at Avian Houston 15. Okay. We will talk to y'all later. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Love you. Bye.